Hey, welcome to the She Heard podcast hosted by author and speaker Laurie Green Westlake. On the She Heard podcast, we cover everything from a woman's role in the church to deep and unexpected dives into your favorite Bible heroes. Laurie's passion is to equip women with courage, boldness, and bravery through biblical study and inspiring narrative. Be sure to check out lauriegreenwestlake.com for additional resources. Welcome to the show. Hey, Laurie Green Westlake here with you for another podcast. And today we are going to look again at the battle of David and Goliath. Only we're going to focus in on an obstacle that was presented to David right before he took the field to fight the giant Goliath. You may remember from our last study that we talked about how David was already anointed the king, and he had had these experiences with the Lord that proved to him the Lord was with him and would make him victorious. And so in this part of the story, I'm going to back up a little bit, and we're going to look at David as he first came into the camp, heard Goliath screaming blasphemies against Israel and challenging the army of Israel to send out their best fighter. And so he's down near the camp, he's brought the food, and David begins to ask, what what reward and what will happen to the person who slays this awful giant? Now, I want to stop for just a second and tell you that scientists and theologians believe that Goliath might have been as tall as eight feet. So he was a massive man, and he was, we're told, he was wearing a whole lot of heavy armor. He even had a shield carrier going before him. So it looks from the Israeli camp perspective as something that is impossible. But David, as the anointed king, the future anointed king, I should say, he comes forth and says, well, I mean, he's so confident that he says, well, what, what's going to happen when this giant goes down? What, what does the man who kills him receive? And this is when David's older brother steps into the scene. Now, his Eliab, if you'll remember the story, when Samuel came looking at Jesse's sons to anoint one as the future king of Israel, because God was unhappy with the current king of Israel, Saul. And so the first son that Jesse presents to Samuel as a possible future king was Eliab, his oldest. In in the Bible and in uh, the days, the biblical days of old, the firstborn son of a family was it. I mean, he was the kid, the favored one, the superstar. He would receive a double portion of the inheritance of all the children and, uh, and of the boys because the men inherited the family's land and possessions. And he also had a leadership position. The oldest son, and in this case, there were seven 
eight with David's sons um, that Jesse had. And so there had to be quite an age span between Eliab and David. So David is a teenager, we're told. And that would make Eliab a grown man. And we're even told when Eliab is presented to Samuel that Samuel thought, oh, this is the one. This is the one that will be anointed because he was well-formed and he was good-looking. So, you know, lots of hair, all the things that people want to see in their king, I suppose. But so when David is down on the field asking these questions, he he encounters Eliab. And so I'm looking at 1 Samuel 17, 28, and here's what happens. Now, Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke, that's David, to the men. And Eliab's anger burned against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those sheep in the wilderness? I know your insolence and the wickedness of your heart, for you have come down in order to see the battle. So I'm calling this an obstacle because I've actually had encounters like this myself when I've tried to step up focused, going after something, someone steps in and completely discourages me. So I want to I want to tell you the three things that Eliab said to David that I'm guessing you've been told too. I also want to give credit where credit is due. And and someone sent me a video of an amazing young woman named Hosanna Wong. And she was speaking at an event and she actually shared these three points, which have, I've never even noticed before. So I am kind of regurgitating Hosanna's message. She was speaking at a Celebrate Recovery in Waxahachie, Texas, and my nephew sent me the video. So thank you, Bruce. But I'm going to put a different spin on it because there were bells going off in my head as I watched her and listened to her going, this is exactly what you have let happen to you, Laurie. And let's try to recognize an enemy tactic when we see it. So you guys gird yourselves. We're going to talk about the three things that Eliab said to David. So the first question, Eliab asked David, David is standing there going, hey, this is is doable. And by the way, what happens to the person that does it? And Eliab says to David, why have you come? Okay, that's the first statement. And that statement is loaded with doubt. He is immediately placing doubt or attempting to place doubt in David's head that he even belonged there. Why have you come? Have you ever felt that way? Have you ever walked into a room where you were going to lead a Bible study or maybe it's a situation at work where you felt like you were going to command the room or maybe it's even a personal situation. Maybe you were going in to talk to someone about healing or mend a relationship and the person looks at you and says, why have you come? Why have you come? And that immediately just inflames our heart with all this doubt because we're thinking, first of all, I'm not wanted here. Second of all, it's not clear that I'm trying to accomplish something. So 
That was Eliab's opening statement, planting doubt or attempting to plant doubt in David's heart. The next one, Eliab says, who has the sheep? Who has the sheep? Okay, this is a very typical guilt approach to stopping someone. It, it's saying, well, you've, you're pretty stupid that you would come here to accomplish something and leave the sheep unattended. In this statement, I believe that Eliab was inflicting guilt. He was placing guilt on David. He what you've really made a wrong move here, David. You can't leave those sheep unattended. You need to get back to the sheep. So I oh my gosh, this is such a a move. Um I, I'm just probably a very typical woman and I, I just take on guilt. I mean you can just keep on and on and I'll just take it and I'll you just rudiment over it and I'll ponder it and I'll you know, get angry over it, maybe even cry over it, because I will think, well, I was really dumb to make that move. And then the third, the third sentence that Eliab says to David is, I know your insolence and your wickedness. I know why you've come. You've come, you prideful little twit. Now, this one is really, uh, probably was a really hard one for David because David, as the youngest son of the family, had received the anointing as king where Eliab, the oldest, should have, and he was passed by. And so Eliab is actually burning with jealousy. And I think that when someone looks at us and goes and says something like Eliab said, which is, I know who you really are. They're telling us that they believe they've seen into your heart and they have found darkness there. And this was not the truth because David came in the name of the Lord. David came as a man, we're told later, as a man after God's own heart. There was no wickedness. There was no arrogance in David. But Eliab threw that out there out of his own jealousy and his own arrogance. And so I want to tell you a quick story um, of my own experience. It was at a job I once had, and I was... I had had some accomplishments and was kind of moving up in the ranks, and I had my eye set on a, a position that was a step up from where I was. And the my current, the boss, the leader that I answered to, and I had been discussing the possibilities, and I'd gotten my hopes up. I, uh, the way that we had talked seemed that this was this promotion was the direction we would be going. And I'm not sure what changed. I don't know if permission higher up than my boss wasn't granted, but things kind of stopped. We stopped talking. Things had kind of cooled off. We stopped talking about the possibility of moving on. And I I was being patient, I felt, and I was waiting on the Lord. And one day I just thought, well, 
I got to speak up. I have to speak up. I have to be brave. I have to have the courage. I can use waiting on the Lord as an excuse to not speak up and out. And this is a major platform for women as we need to be courageous. Um, and one of the things I think that we can do is say, well, and the, the Bible does say we wait upon the Lord, but sometimes we can wait past the time that it's for us to get out of the boat and walk on the water. So I decided this was my get out of the boat and walk on the water moment. And I approached this boss and was like, well, what's happened here? Why 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 are we not talking about this? Am I moving forward to this promotion? Will I take this new position? And I just want to know to kind of gear myself towards the future because we're just kind of hanging here in this dead silent air. And that boss said to me that they realized how I was really aggressive, really driven, that I really didn't have a servant's heart, and that I actually loved being the center of attention and being on the stage and being a, a major voice. And that. I guess, because that's kind of how it got left, was, well, you're all these terrible things, and um, the position is no longer an option. What I did with that information is more de- was more detrimental to my emotional and mental health than what that person actually said. It's what I did with the information because I ingested it, took it. I let it seek into my skin. It was like a weapon of war that pierced my heart. And I let it twist there. As a matter of fact, I probably twisted that arrow a couple of more times myself. And I thought, this person is right about me. I'm just looking for my own self-promotion. And I really need to to search my insolence and my wickedness. And after a couple of months of really letting this get to me and praying about it with the Lord and asking the Lord to search my heart, I realized, uh, and I think I realized it with God's help, that I'm given certain gifts and talents, and I've been giving victory after victory over small and large circumstances with the Lord, with Him working through me. And He had proven Himself to me, and I went in full confidence that I could handle the job that I wanted. But I had allowed what someone else said place doubt and guilt and lies in my heart. So I wonder, has anyone ever said to you any of these three things? Why have you come? Who Who's keeping watch over the, the provisions that you have right now? And I want to speak to that another second. The, the word tells us that when we're faithful with a little, that the Lord will give us more. And so if you're in a position that you're stuck because some leader ahead of you or or some um, friend ahead of you doesn't want you to advance because you have been successful, that's jealousy and that's a problem. 
And then the third one is when someone looks at you, go, I know who you really are and you aren't who you're, pre- you're pretending to be someone different. Well, you need to walk away. And this is exactly what David did with Eliab. David walked away from his brother. He said, I'm, I'm, well, first he said, I'm just, I'm asking a question. And then he stepped away from his brother and he went to the other men and he asked the question again, what will happen to the one who delivers Goliath into Israel's hands today? And the other men, his teammates, gave him the answer that he would be honored by King Saul. And so Eliab, with his with his big mouth and his big ideas, is the one that's left in the dust. And it's pretty sad because Eliab was the clan leader. He was the leader of all those brothers. And instead of supporting David and saying, here, David, take my armor or here, David, take my shield or here, David, let me help you pick up those five stones. He tried to stop him. Now, Hosanna, the girl that I listened to, her major point on this story was that David did not lose his focus on the real battle, that Satan had used Eliab to step in and deter David, because typically what we would do with an older brother or sister is get into a skirmish with them going, oh, you you know, you're stupid. You know what you're talking about, this back and forth, and that it was amazing how focused David stayed on his task to be there. And I agree with her 100%. But I want to bring this into our own personal experiences and ask you this question and ask myself in the future. When someone's doubting what I've come for, when I know that I have been anointed and that God has already given me the experiences that I needed to step up, am I going to walk away and leave the obstacle in the dust? I hope you'll think about that. Again, you can read this in 1 Samuel 18, 17, I'm sorry, in 1 Samuel 17, and I encourage you to do so. So, I hope you'll share this podcast and I hope you will come back again and listen. We're going to start looking at ways that we can fight practical battles in our everyday life because someone asked me that question. Laura, you talk about battling. How do we do that? So we'll be looking at some of that next week. In the meantime, I want you to know that I pray for you. I have great positive thoughts and dreams for you. And I think now is our time, a time such as this, for us women to stand up, be bold, and be brave. Please check me out and my blogs at lauriegreenwestlake.com, and I will talk to you again soon.